Welcome to Fish Talk and Hunt Radio with John Henneken and Mike the Grizz, where we're going to cast and blast you right out of this world with some of the best hunting and fishing stories that you can't even imagine. Welcome to Fish Talk Radio. This is John Hennigan in the studio, and our co-host today is Frank Selby from His and Hers Fly Shop in Southern California. Uh, we're glad we could have you, Steve, or Frank. Glad to be here. Okay. Well, we've got just a couple minutes in this segment to kind of introduce what's going on. Um, we have... Uh, um, uh, I think it's going to be a very interesting show. Uh, we're going to start off with Steve Lynch from Procure, and then uh, we'll see if we can get to us with uh, uh, someone we've had on before, an aquatic biologist, which is very interesting. And, of course, I want to remind everybody that you can always listen to us. Oh, gosh, there's so many different places I can't even imagine. But uh, you can always go to the website, which is still called Fish Talk Radio, and listen to today's show you know, and uh, listen to it as many times as you want. And it's, it's, all the shows are archived. So if there's something that you missed, go back and check it out. And, Frank, what have, what's been happening with, uh, with you and the fly shop? been doing pretty good uh i had a couple clients out this week uh last week not this week last week and we got about 30 calicos off of the jetty there in long beach Mm -hmm. and then we did a surf fishing and the guy wanted more casting his very first cast he gets about a 15 pounds bat ray (laughs) (laughs) now was that on a fly rod on fly, and then we Whoa. got three stingrays in less than 20 minutes. Ooh. And all he, he came down strictly to learn sight casting yeah. and distance casting. We caught more fish, tried to cast than we did <laughs> if we were fishing. <laughs> no, that's great. Well, it just goes to show it really works, doesn't it? But yeah. uh, in, anywhere you are in the United States, uh, inshore and um you know, from the beach, uh, fly rods really do work well. Yeah. But uh, anyway, we'll talk a little bit about that, maybe some techniques. Uh, we're going to have to go up against a break, but we appreciate everybody tuning in uh, to um, Fish Hunt Talk Radio. And we're going to be back with you in just a couple of minutes. So stay tuned, and Frank will give us some tips. If your feet are happy, you are happy. Soft Science Supreme Comfort Outdoor Footwear will give you happy feet. Durable, lightweight, and supportive, Soft Science Footwear is designed for boating, fishing, or everyday comfort and performance. With history of highest quality, you will be proud to own this revolutionary footwear. SoftScience.com has many types and styles you need to check out. Invest in quality footwear, and you will be happy for many years. Find out why at SoftScience.com. If you like the show you are listening to right now, you can listen to it and many more just like it on Reno Viola Outdoors Radio. Fishing, hunting, boating, and the rest of the great outdoors 24-7, 365 on Reno Viola Outdoors Radio. Download the free Reno Viola's Outdoor Radio app or visit WRVORadio.com online to see the lineup and schedule. That's Reno Viola Outdoors Radio. And enjoy the great outdoors. 
used by fishermen who know where to get the best fishing gear around, Aftco makes the highest quality fishing rod components worldwide. If it says Aftco, you know you have a quality rod. Guy Harvey Clothing, the best outdoor clothing line anywhere, is also available through Aftco. Longest lasting, functional, and best looking clothing you'll be proud to wear. Only the very best materials and workmanship. As soon as you put it on, you'll know the difference. Look for Aftco at quality retailers or go to AFTCO.com. If you like the show you are listening to right now, you can listen to it and many more just like it on Reno Viola Outdoors Radio. Fishing, hunting, boating, and the rest of the great outdoors 24-7, 365 on Reno Viola Outdoors Radio. Download the free Reno Viola's Outdoor Radio app or visit WRVORadio.com online to see the lineup and schedule. That's Reno Viola Outdoors Radio. And enjoy the great outdoors. The East Cape of Baja, Mexico is world famous for sport fishing. Dorado, tuna, wahoo, marlin, sailfish, roosterfish, and parco. The Van Warmer Resorts make dreams come true at a price all can afford. Hotel Palmas de Cortez, Playa del Sol, and Hotel Punta Colorado have the biggest and best sport fishing fleet in all of Mexico. Call toll-free to 877-777-TUNA to find out how affordable world-class fishing can be. The finest resorts and the best boats in East Cape. Call 877-777-TUNA. If you are still using a plastic hard shell cooler, things have changed for the better. AO coolers are lighter with twice the efficiency of the traditional bulky coolers. AO coolers are the best available soft-sided cooler with three-quarter inch high-density closed-cell foam insulation. They will keep ice frozen for 24 hours in hot weather. Easy to carry, less space, it fits product inside for better performance. Go to aocoolers.com to order or find a retailer available at West Marine. Welcome back to Fish Talk and Hunt Radio with Mike the Grizz and John Hennigan. This is John Hennigan, and I'm in the studio. And we have, by way of electronic transmission, we have Frank Selby, who was his and hers fly shops, so he probably knows a little bit about that. Also on the line with us is Steve Lynch, co-owner of ProCure, uh, and he's up in Portland. And ProCure is a company that... Uh, we, we've talked about it before, Steve, but just in about 20 seconds, uh, tell us your operation. For you, you do something like 100,000 pounds a day or something of processing fish? Well, that's in about a week, but yeah. Yeah, we process <laughs> different baits uh, and extract either the oils or dry them up and put them in our gel baits. So mm-hmm. our product is made with 100% real bait. Yes. Now, and then we add UV and a bite stimulant. But uh, other than those two items, it's anchovies, anchovies. Yeah, you know, it's, it's just head, tail, and everything in between ground up. Yeah, wow. Um, anyway, I was just I was wondering. Uh, we have Frank on the line from his and hers fly shop. Now, if you are a fly angler, you know, of course, anglers are anglers. You can do what you want, but if you're a purist, uh, you know, somebody that ties their own flies, only artificial, never uses bait. Is is it okay to put scent on a fly, um, Frank and and uh, Steve? No. <laughs> well, I would say I would say that uh, the the newer or younger generation fly fishermen are using scent, and, and we have a product for flies called the water soluble, where it won't mat the feathers down. Mm-hmm. But the older generation, and I'm not calling anybody old here, watch it. They, they are <laughs> more of you know no scent. Yeah. But I tell you what, the guys using scent, it is more effective. Yeah. 
well, yeah, well, that certainly makes sense anyway. That, yeah. Uh, you know, and, and again, I've said so many times, the more I learn about fly fishing, the more I realize that in most cases, um, it's more productive than conventional. It, it sure can be. Mm-hmm. I think so. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, do you, one question. Since you're from Portland, do you fish the Sandy or the Clackamas? Or I do the them both. Oh, good boy. Uh, yes, uh, I, I am five minutes from the Sandy and about 15 minutes from the Clackamas River. Mm-hmm. I caught my first steelhead on the Sandy River. Wow. Well, I got my first on the salmon. Mm-hmm. All right, on. Yeah, right there at Welch's, Oregon. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. Uh, so is that right at the confluence hole where the salmon and the sandy meet? Uh, right, right where uh, the golf course is. I oh, was beautiful. walked right across and got my first 15-pounder from uh, the fly shop. It used to be in Welch's. Yep, and, uh, I'm familiar with it. Uh, Mark Bachman and them. Well, the other thing is that, uh, remember the a river runs through it? Well, yes. in Portland, <laughs> there's two rivers that run through it. And, yes. of course, yes, the, the, the Columbia, which the Columbia has got to be, well, I don't know if it's as, if there's as much water flows that out of the Mississippi, but it is huge. You know, the amount yeah, of water it, that flows through there? It is. A, this, yeah, next to the Mississippi, it is the second largest uh, flow of body mm-hmm. of water. And there's some uh, pretty good fishing in there, too, isn't there? Uh, yes, there is. There's, there's pretty much fishing there year-round. And right now, we've, we've got uh, two types of salmon in there. We, we've got the, the fall snook going up that are going into the tributaries of the Columbia. And then we have the upriver brights, and they call those URBs. And those are headed up into Idaho. And that's uh, part of the Chinook family? Yes, it is. Mm-hmm. It, they're both a, a, a type of fall Chinook. Mm-hmm. And uh, right now we've got you know, a little over, you know, right around 10,000 a day going over Bonneville Dam. Oh. So fishing's pretty phenomenal mm-hmm. on, on that mid to uh, mid-range of the Columbia, you know, around, right around the city of Portland. I mean, right <laughs> by the airport, you can put in, pull around, and they're just using, you know, small spinners uh, or uh, like the Brad Super Baits. Uh, or they're using eggs and just hover fishing. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the river's loaded with anglers and, even more importantly, loaded with fish. I mean, <laughs> yeah. everybody's been pretty productive uh, and, and doing all right with their catch ratio. And how, how have you been? Have you been out lately? I have. I was up uh, all last week. I fished up on the Columbia, the mouth of the Deschutes. Uh, and the Deschutes is just above Bonneville, probably about 40 miles. Mm-hmm. And and we were hover fishing eggs. Uh, and now, wait a minute, you said, well. you said the Deschutes was above the Columbia? I thought yes, it was it, down it's above south. The, no, no, the Deschutes uh, runs into the Columbia, yeah. but it, oh. the mouth of the Deschutes is above Bonneville Dam. Oh, okay. <clears throat> yeah, no, and, that's... And, that, and that's a beautiful river, I tell you. Oh, um, yeah, and for fly fishing and for just about anything. And especially the area that it runs through, it's just a beautiful, beautiful uh, river. Yeah, if you've never, if you've never floated or, or been powered, uh, drifted up that river, that's a great river to have to be running up and down. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, with, I think it's got four sets of class five rapids on it the first 10 miles. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's a pucker factor going on when you're sitting <laughs> yeah. in a boat in that river. You're right. And um, so you, you and, and where was it you were fishing? 
I was fishing right at the mouth of the chutes where it dumps into the Columbia. Mm-hmm. And these, these upriver bright, as they're going up the Columbia, they, they smell that colder water coming out of the chutes, and they just mill around that, that mouth and kind of, you know, clean their gills out. Because uh, right now the Columbia is running pretty silky. And they're just, you know, taking a sniff of the chutes and milling around a day or so and then, re, you know, gathering their energy and then heading back up towards Idaho. Oh, yes. So, and the, the clear way of telling if it's, if it's a fall Chinook or an upriver bright, when you hook a hen and land it, the eggs will be really immature. Or, or on the males, uh, the, the sperm sacs will be very immature and small, and mm-hmm. seven large and ready to lay the eggs. Mm-hmm. Uh, but now, uh, you know, and, because and we've Columbia, got about what, five rivers. Well, when you right talk there. about going up into, uh, uh, I'm not sure where the Columbia starts, but I know the Snake River starts in northern Idaho and kind of works its way down. But, you know, uh, and I'm not sure exactly where the beginning of the Columbia is as well. Uh, mm-hmm. But, uh, Me either. <laughs> I, I should know that. <laughs> I, I'm going to catch hell for not knowing it. But uh, <laughs> uh, I, I tell you, you know, we're pretty fortunate with this Columbia River between, you know, the, the, the winter steelhead and the summer steelhead runs that come up there, the spring Chinook, you know, the, the June hogs, the summer salmon, and then the fall fish of the upriver brights and the regular fall run. Mm-hmm. There's fishing on that Columbia year-round, basically. Mm-hmm. Not to mention the walleyes and the bass. Walleyes? Uh, I didn't know they had surgeon. walleyes in there. Hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they, they're just, that's where they're predicting the next world record is going to come out of the Columbia. Hmm. Well, you know, just to check back just to, real quickly, we talked about putting scent on, uh, on flies. Uh, what, what kind of scent do you use on flies? Well, we have a product called Water Soluble. And what we do is, is, is we take our pure fish oil and, and we put it in a special machine that, that goes about 15,000 RPM, and Whoa. we bind it with water. So it's similar to like a salad dressing look. You just give it a quick shake, and, and you can put that on your flies, and it will still milk scent out without matting down the feathers. So it'll still breathe mm-hmm. and pulsate going through the water. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you can clean them, you know, just... You know, light soap and water at the end of the day. You know, just put them in a, in a container with some soapy water, let them sit for a couple of minutes, spray them off, and they'll be completely odorless. Mm-hmm. So it will not damage the fly. Uh, and like I said, there's a lot of the guys that just, they, they won't use it. But I tell you, the younger generation sure is. Yeah. And, and it re- I've seen it really make a difference. Hmm. I think a lot of the older generation uses it, too. They just don't talk they about do. it, right? You got it. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, where he fished, I just fish up from there. I go from the railroad bridge down to the Columbia on the Deschutes. Mm-hmm. We pull into Moppins and then go down and mm-hmm. then get on the drift boat okay. for two days. Well, we are, uh, looks like we're running out of uh, time in this segment. But, uh, Steve, while we have you on the line, if somebody wants some more information on ProCure, how do they get it? Uh, just uh, ProCure.com. Is it Pro-Cure? Pro-Cure.com or 1-800-PRO-CURE. Oh, okay. Okay. And, uh, you know, it doesn't make any difference what kind of fish you're, you're looking for. Uh, apparently, you know, you use bait from all over the world to, to make your uh, sense from. 
We do. We do. Whether the southeast and northeast regions, uh, you know, we're even getting some baits out of Mexico. Yes. So there's okay. 38 different baits that we acquire and, and work with. Great. Well, Steve, I appreciate that and appreciate the stories. So we'll be we'll be talking to you when, as soon as we get a chance. We are listening to Fish Hunt Talk Radio, and we'll be back with you in just a couple of minutes. The best wing shooting is in Nayarit, Mexico. It's absolutely incredible and is only $2,650 U.S. per person. Includes four nights lodging, three days hunting, all meals, non-alcoholic beverages, transportation, bird boys, cleaning and packing of all birds. You'll even be provided, free of charge, a quality shotgun over and under or automatic, either a Beretta or Browning, three cases of shotgun shells, even the tips are included. Bird season starts soon, so book your adventure today. Contact support at thegrizgear.com. That's support at thegrizgear.com. Or call 434-953-8598. That's 434-953-8598. It's time for you to take a real fun adventure. Join a hosted fishing adventure to Alaska or Baja with the staff of Fish Talk Radio. Real Fun Adventures can book you on any adventure you desire. Bring your fishing friends or meet new ones. Fish Talk Radio gets the best deals from our sponsors to give you the best possible price. Real Fun Trips are inclusive, easy, no-worry packages to the most popular fish grounds. Trips start around $600. Go to reelfunadventures.com. If your feet are happy, you are happy. Soft Science Supreme Comfort Outdoor Footwear will give you happy feet. Durable, lightweight, and supportive. Soft Science Footwear is designed for boating, fishing, or everyday comfort and performance. With history of highest quality, you will be proud to own this revolutionary footwear. SoftScience.com has many types and styles you need to check out. Invest in quality footwear, and you will be happy for many years. Find out why at SoftScience.com. Let me tell you about a fantastic boutique hotel on Mag Bay called the Mangrove Inn, located on the estuary in Lopez Mateos. This unique hotel will connect you with nature. The whale watching is incredible. They have the best onshore and offshore fishing guides and even bird watching guides. And the estuary fishing. You can even kayak fish the estuaries right from the hotel. The chef will even cook your catch. Check it out at mangroveinbaja.com or call 434-953-8598 to book your adventure. That's 434-953-8598. Welcome back to Fish Talk and Hunt Radio with Mike the Grizz and John Hennigan. Yes. Welcome back to Fish Talk Radio. This is John Hennigan in studio, and we have Frank Selby from His and Hers Fly Shop in Southern California. But we have someone that we're going to actually spend, uh, instead of one segment, we're going to do two or more. 
And that is Steve Holdman, and he's an aquatic biologist, and he works for the, the well, Steve, I'll tell you what. Let me introduce you, and you can tell us what you do. Well, John, I am a, an aquatic biologist, like you said. Got my roots in fisheries, um, a little bit of an aquatic insects as well. But um, I work for the Stanislaw National Forest up here near Yosemite National Park. Most people know where that is. And if you're a fish head near New Maloney's, the home of some monster bass. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, the whole concept of what you do, I think that there's so um, much misunderstanding. And, you know, what you do and the knowledge you have will help people that are anglers, but it goes beyond that uh, because you know the whole the whole process is you know um, enhancing and preserving you know all the fisheries, and part of that, if we can go ahead and get started on that a little bit, is the water supply. Now, in um, you know at least in the western United States, we had what three or five or seven year drought that caused a lot of problems. You know, and there's a big thing about the uh, uh, what was it the smelt um, from the uh, the Delta and releasing water into the to the San Joaquin Valley, and locally uh, where I live in Santa Barbara, there's uh, Lake Kachuma. And they t- release a tremendous amount of water, even if we don't have it, uh, to flow downstream to maintain the steelhead population, which is a whole different situation. So um, let's, let's talk about that a little bit. Well, yeah, those water challenges are going to face the country as we uh, um Think about increasing agricultural production to help feed the world because the United States has been known to do that. So it doesn't just affect us in the West where we do grow a lot of produce, but it also affects um, a lot of folks in the East, especially the Mississippi and Ohio drainages where there's a lot of fish diversity over there. Mm-hmm. Well, the um, you know the concept. I mean, how much? It, it, well, especially about the, the steelhead and the, the smelt, and you know things that they consider to be um, endangered. Now, we, I think we talked a little bit about the difference between a rainbow and a steelhead uh, last time, a couple months ago, when you were on. And to me, I don't understand. There's a difference, according from what I understand. Um, uh, Oregon considers a steelhead any rainbow trout over 24 inches because you can't tell by looking at it, and biologically they're almost identical. That's true. Um, just I think the biggest difference to remember is that the steelhead go to the ocean and then return. And mm-hmm. so what they do is they feed in salt water, and a lot of those salmon and a number of trout species are really amazing in their ability to adapt from freshwater to salt water, back to fresh water when they spawn, and uh, frequently they die in these habitats, mm-hmm. up like where we are in the mountains. Regular rainbow trout, we can say that those are ones that don't go back to the sea. So we kind of consider them to be resident here in in California. Golden trout is one that is a subspecies of rainbow trout, and it's entirely landlocked up on top of the Kern Plateau um, down near Bakersfield. Well, I've had the opportunity, uh, I actually caught, you know, a golden, and from what I understand, uh, if you want to catch a golden trout, you need to be at about a 10,000-foot elevation, Um, and obviously they're not going to be going to the ocean and coming back. So 
in that case, yeah, that's a great example of just um, what we would consider to be um, a rainbow trout or a subspecies of rainbow trout. They're not going back to the ocean. Mm -hmm. um, there's no way for them to get there. But a steelhead, yeah, they're the ones that go back to the ocean. When they come back from the ocean, they can be pretty large. And a 24-inch fish, anybody would like to catch that. Um, but those are um, the size of the adults that return from the ocean. Mm -hmm. Now... Again, correct me if I'm wrong, but my understanding is that let's just say you've got a lake or a pond with, let's say, a thousand you know, rainbow trout in it. And if they have access to the ocean they could, to go and return, a percentage of those will. A percentage of them will because it's um, part of their evolutionary background. They have that strong urge to move up and down stream. And so, yes, yeah, some will want to do that. And, yeah, you bring up a really good point. Um, and I think previously we began to touch on it and might have dodged it as being a political issue. But within the realm of what we call conservation biology, mm -hmm. that's a really important aspect is um, knowing that some fish really have that biological urge to go back to the ocean. And they may come back and they'll mix with some of that native stock um, when they come back to spawn. Mm -hmm. uh, well, and I'm sure Frank's got some questions for you. So, Frank, jump in anytime you want. Okay. But, okay. But uh, uh, go ahead, Frank. Uh, down here in Southern California, we have probably Laguna and two other places that we have still have a small, small run of steelhead. And they're 100% protected. But uh, you, every once in a while, you'll catch one on the beach in Laguna Beach. Hmm. Yeah, for some reason, you don't really, you know, they go to the ocean, but, you know, it's very rare that you actually ever catch any. And the... Um, um, so the other the other point is is that you know biologically they're they're they genetically I guess you know they're not exactly the same but you know the whole concept of having endangered species of a steelhead well you know the uh, um, you know what's the difference between a steelhead and a and a and a, and a, and a rainbow trout. One goes to the ocean, one stays in the stream. There you go. <laughs> and I think one of the important, I think a really important thing to think about is um, there is a lot of commercial fishing industry that's built around catching things like um, different kinds of salmon and also catching steelhead in the ocean. Mm -hmm. And we are on the southern end of the range down there in Southern California of steelhead because they run all the way up into um, Alaska. Mm-hmm. But it is, you know, when we do put those fish into hatcheries and then release them into the ocean so that they can get back to the ocean, um, then it really becomes an important part of a lot of people's way of life because they do rely on those fish in addition to, you know, the regular ground fish that you catch like a lingcod or some of those mm -hmm. um, sea bass and things like that. But it's a really important part to their economy as well. Well, this is kind of an off-the-ball question, but we're talking about trout in particular. Is What is the difference between a native and a wild trout? Um, I would say that um, they're kind of one and the same. A wild trout um, is, uh, and we do have some wild trout rivers here. I know a lot of other states have wild trout rivers but they are ones where they don't introduce any kind of um, hatchery fish. They let they know that the um, fishery is either high value for its trophy quality or that you can go and catch a lot of fish. 
Um, maybe it's a very productive water, but they don't augment that population with anything from a hatchery. It's all just, they're all just doing their own thing as a wild population of fish. Mm-hmm. Well, and again, um, I know in Southern California, where I live, um, there was an article in a newspaper from 100 years ago where the department at that time, the Department of Fish and Game, uh, released something like 200,000 um, hatchery fish in into the rivers. Now, those were obviously not wild fish, but over the last hundred years, they've certainly intermingled you know, with with all of the you know the fish in the in our natural waters. So, what you know, what actually is a native trout? I mean, when uh, have, have have trout um, inhabited the United States for the last five hundred years? At least that long, and I think it goes back. Um a considerable distance in the geologic past. So, mm-hmm. I mean, we could be talk. We're probably talking in the millions of years. Oh, okay. Um, if you're into the, if you subscribe to that theory, some people don't. So I understand. But um, they've been around for an incredibly long time. Um, those golden trout up there on the Kern Plateau, they've been isolated from other other rainbow trout for. Um, a very, very long time, and that they are associated with when the Sierra Nevada lifted up from what used to be a pretty flat um, geography at that point, mm-hmm. and that was many, many millions of years ago. Hmm. Okay, so and, trout, trout are you know, indigenous uh, to the United States for you know for to the point where they they are considered. They have not been introduced like some of the other fisheries we have. Some things like brown trout have been introduced from Eurasia, um, and here in the Sierras we have a lot of brook trout that were introduced in from um, the eastern United States. And the interesting thing is in the east, there's especially in the southeast, like in the mountains of uh, the Appalachian Mountains and the Blue Ridge Mountains, there are um, they're facing some serious conservation challenges um, because we introduced rainbow trout there and brown trout there, and we squeezed the brook trouts to the very high elevation waters. Mm. And there's a lot of um, restoration activity that's going on, a lot of good work being done by some fisheries biologists there to try to keep those things um, a species that anybody can go out and catch and enjoy. Mm-hmm. And, of course, they all take flies, don't they? Yes, they, they all, all take, take flies. <laughs> okay. uh, one question. Uh, do we still clip the steelhead that are released commercially, their fins? The hatcheries, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the hatchery. Yeah, and there's that little funny fin that's halfway between the dorsal fin and then the caudal fin, the forked one in the back. There's a little odd one that um, salmonids have, that's trout. Um and salmon and catfish share the same character. There's a little kind of fatty little fin back okay. there, and what they do at the at the hatchery is they clip that off. Okay, so, that so that, that's how you know it's a hatchery. Anyway, we're going to have to take a break, and fortunately, uh, Stephen Holderman's going to hang around for the next segment, so we'll be back with you momentarily at uh, Fish Hunt Talk Radio. The fall and winter season is here and time for some fantastic fishing. The trout and bass are biting, a quick drive from the valleys below. We have some great boat rentals to choose from or bring your own. Visit LakeGregoryRecreation.com for information. 
LakeGregoryRecreation.com. That's LakeGregoryRecreation.com. If your feet are happy, you are happy. Soft Science Supreme Comfort Outdoor Footwear will give you happy feet. Durable, lightweight, and supportive. Soft Science Footwear is designed for boating, fishing, or everyday comfort and performance. With history of highest quality, you will be proud to own this revolutionary footwear. SoftScience.com has many types and styles you need to check out. Invest in quality footwear, and you will be happy for many years. Find out why at SoftScience.com. The road stretches for miles in front of you. And with the Ram 1500, you'll be able to reach mile after open mile. It gets a best-in-class 25 miles per gallon highway. So your destination won't just be determined by your gas gauge, but by your gauge for achievement. And the Ram 1500 is the first-ever back-to-back motor trend truck of the year. Guts. Glory. Ram. See your local Ram dealer today for great deals. EPA estimated 25 MPG highway based on V6 4x2. The East Cape of Baja, Mexico is world famous for sport fishing. Dorado, tuna, wahoo, marlin, sailfish, roosterfish, and parco. The Van Warmer Resorts make dreams come true at a price all can afford. Hotel Palmas de Cortez, Playa del Sol, and Hotel Punta Colorado have the biggest and best sport fishing fleet in all of Mexico. Call toll free to 877-777 Tuna to find out how affordable world class fishing can be. The finest resorts and the best boats in East Cape. Call 877-777 Tuna. If you like the show you are listening to right now, you can listen to it and many more just like it on Reno Viola Outdoors Radio. Fishing, hunting, boating, and the rest of the great outdoors 24-7, 365 on Reno Viola Outdoors Radio. Download the free Reno Viola's Outdoor Radio app or visit WRVORadio.com online to see the lineup and schedule. That's Reno Viola Outdoors Radio. And enjoy the great outdoors. It's time for you to take a real fun adventure. Join a hosted fishing adventure to Alaska or Baja with the staff of Fish Talk Radio. Real Fun Adventures can book you on any adventure you desire. Bring your fishing friends or meet new ones. Fish Talk Radio gets the best deals from our sponsors to give you the best possible price. Real Fun Trips are inclusive, easy, no-worry packages to the most popular fish grounds. Trips start around $600. Go to reelfunadventures.com. Welcome back to Fish Talk and Hunt Radio with John Hennigan and Mike the Grizz. This is John Hennigan, and we are in the middle of a fabulous, interesting conversation with Stephen Holdman. Our co-host is Frank Selby that has his and hers fly shop in Southern California. And Stephen, it sounds like you know a little bit about fish. Uh, it's been my passion ever since I was a little kid. We had a stream near the house, and I yeah. just my parents couldn't keep me out of it. You know, I've got a question for you that's kind of off the wall again. Is that uh, frequently in a river uh, will seem to disappear or dry up, but that doesn't necessarily mean there's no there's no water because they can go underground and come up somewhere else. And I'm just kind of wondering, you know, if you can comment on that. And is it possible that uh, uh, aquatic life and fish can survive, you know, when that water goes underground? 
Yeah, we technically kind of call those things intermittent streams a lot of times, but during droughts we can see rivers that are perennial or streams that are perennial um, seemingly have no flow in them. And what you see when you see surface water or, you know, fishable water in our case, um, that's where the groundwater meets the bottom of a stream. And so as the groundwater um, recedes down back down into the earth, we lose and and it's no longer contacting the stream bed, then you um, lose stream flow. Sometimes you'll find some of the deepest pools still have water, and those are the places where fish can really hang on. Um, we had a couple years of really severe drought here. Some streams went completely dry, and then they're going to have to have some fish um, from downstream come back up and recolonize it. But there's water. You just don't see it. It's called hyporheic and okay. hypo is like a hypodermic needle below the skin, mm -hmm. and rheic means flow. So if you have a rheostat, then that controls the flow of electricity through resistance through a switch. So it's below the stream, um, below the stream bed, but it's there. It's still flowing. Hmm. <clears throat> so, that, so that means that when, <laughs> when the water comes back, the fish come back. The fish can come back, right. But if you have, like, prolonged periods of drought, it can be a challenge for some of those organisms that um, that really depend on water and, and any kind of insect life that they need to feed on. The aquatic insects, can some can go down in, down into the stream bed and live down in that water that you can't see. And that's where a lot of algae is as well and fungi that's uh, really important for transforming nutrient into <laughs> the different kinds of food sources for insects and fish. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, that's right, because there's a lot of uh, life in the water besides uh, the things that have fins and tails. There's so much that you don't see, and a lot of that stuff is really what's driving um, productivity for fish. And um, it also helps out birds and bats and other things that rely on it up on the terrestrial environment as well. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, Frank, uh, I'd be pretty tough to catch one of those underwater streams on a fly, or a fish on a fly, wouldn't it? <laughs> uh, Bennett Springs. Yeah. <laughs> they have, you were asking if they could live under the ground. Yes, they can. Bennett Springs has blind trout, white. I'm sorry, say that again? Bennett Springs in Missouri. Yeah. That's an all underwater channel. Comes up in three or four places. Uh, about seven years <laughs> ago, they found albino trout with a blind hmm. in the caverns. Hmm. It's never came up into the spring, into the wa open water. Mm-hmm. So they do survive underground. Okay. And, you know, let's, let's kind of get back a little bit uh, while we got Steve to take advantage of some of the things about some of the different species uh, that, that we have and what, uh, what you're helping to protect. You mentioned, you know, we talked about uh, rainbows, of course, and the golden, and you mentioned the browns have been introduced sometime in the last couple hundred years. That's right. Within the last hundred years, yeah. Okay. And... <laughs> 
the so there and again we talked about the difference between wild and native i don't you know it's it's to me it's you know what is native because there's really no such thing as trout that have been not been interbred with uh, hatchery fish and wild fish and and uh, you know things that have been here for a long time but you know they right now they're they're very careful about allowing hatchery fish to interbreed with uh, what you might call natural or wild fish and one of the things they do in California now is they've um, introduced a method where they can make them what's called a triploid, where they have a third chromosome that's introduced, and that makes them, in sterile. essence, uh, mm-hmm. reproductively sterile. And so that's how they're trying to limit the impact of those hatchery fish, which are derived um, largely from a native stock. Um, but that's kind of limiting where they're putting that new genetic material back into streams. So they mm-hmm. can make them sterile so they don't interbreed. But in the past, they didn't have that technology. And there definitely was some genetic sharing among a lot of different fish. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We, almost, we almost lost our greenback tra- uh, rainbow trout. And that's a good example, right? Mm-hmm. I'm not even sure I know what that is. The greenback uh, rainbow trout? Yeah. It, okay. <clears throat> it's uh, native for California for, I don't know, for at least five, 600 years. Hmm. There's very few of them left. I think one hatchery started re put an area just for them. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, let's, let's mention a little bit about hatcheries and how, you know, they are helping to... Um, regenerate, you know, some of our population. The, um, of course, most of the, the fish you're going to be catching, unless it's up in the upper areas and in certain parts of the Sierras, uh, it's pretty much put and take. I mean, you go up and, you, and uh, you know, they'll plant trout, and then you go in and catch them, and you get take them home and eat them. But, uh, you know, there's there's other, you know, the hatcheries are doing things to, I guess, repopulate some of the things that are um, more endangered. Is that right, Stephen? That is true. Um, our folks with the State Department of Fish and Game do an excellent job, both providing those recreational opportunities, but also trying to help conserve some of those native stocks. Like uh, a good one would be... Um, the McLeod red band trout. It's kind of a subspecies or a different um, looking kind of rainbow trout that um, may have, it may have evolved from other um, trout and it may have some unique characteristics that allow it to grow bigger in a hatchery situation, but it is really important for conserving some of those genes in certain circumstances. Mm-hmm. Sure. Well, you also mentioned some of the things that are in the water besides fish, and how important is that you know, to the streams and to our environment? Well, I do. Um, I've got a special weakness for aquatic insects, and that might sound odd, but anybody that's like big in, into uh, fly fishing, you know, they are the ones that know to turn over rocks, and they can see what's there on the bottom, and so they you kind of can learn over time to be able to match the hatch, you know, about what species should be emerging at different times. But it's that diversity and abundance of those aquatic insects that gives you a real good idea about your water quality, and your water quality then really works to uh, give you an indication of how healthy that aquatic system is, and that includes the trout that we catch. Mm -hmm. So are you saying that they actually enhance or clean the water? 
Some of them can do that. Some of them can specifically filter out some of the suspended sediment in there. Certain kinds of uh, caddis flies definitely do that. But they also indicate pretty good linkage between the amount of nutrients that are coming in, um, all the other resources available to them to be able to provide a diversity of insects that um, that things like minnows and up to trout can um, can and do feed on. It's really mm-hmm. important for them, all those drifting insects. Well, an- another question is, uh, we've been talking about uh, <clears throat> rivers and streams and, and what you're doing, but uh, they do actually, <clears throat> um, you know, we get... Uh, king salmon uh, as far down as you know as, as Santa Barbara sometimes I think it comes out of the Sacramento River but mm-hmm. uh, what about the, you know the the hatcheries or the or the the releases for you know the different uh, different salmonoids or uh, I don't know what else that you, that they put in well, I, think, I, I know the white sea bass is something that they've, you know, that they, they've tried to uh, enhance, and it seems to be working. Uh, and then, the, you know, again, you know, the kings or silver salmon. I probably don't know too much about the sea bass, but I do know that with the salmon, like the king salmon, I know mm-hmm. when the Folsom Dam looked like it was about um, going to have some major problems earlier this spring when we had that really high runoff, they had to evacuate that one hatchery, and that hatchery does provide salmon for um, that recreational fishing. They mm-hmm. all they go out of the Sacramento River, they go through the San Francisco Bay, out into the ocean and they live there it's a super rich environment out there with the upwelling that comes up from deep water mm-hmm. and that current that's coming down from Atlanta, um, from Alaska and um, there's really productive water and I know a lot of folks and right now they're catching um, really good salmon off the coast of California that's for sure hmm. yeah no and it wouldn't be there if it wasn't for that it really helps since the and I'm going to say it, the native-run fish, the ones that were here without any kind of hatchery influence, those fish are in decline. Um, and this is augmenting those populations so that we can have uh, a viable commercial Sports fishery, fishery, something that yeah. everybody mm-hmm. can use. Okay. Well, looks like we're, we're getting close on time on this one. Um, so, you know, we would like to uh, uh, see if we can hold you over just for a couple minutes and bring you back for a few more minutes. And I'm sure that uh, we've got some more questions, and I know that Frank has some questions for you. But yeah. this, is, this is fascinating stuff. It's things that people, you know, need to learn about. And we haven't even talked about the East Coast and some of the things that have gone back there. I remember um, Lake Erie and the Erie Canal. Uh, it actually caught fire one time because of the pollution. And now it's a <laughs> tremendous fishery. That's right. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. You are listening to Fish Hunt Talk Radio. We'll be back momentarily. Go to fishtalkradio.com and listen to us as many times as you want. We'll be right back. Cape of Baja, Mexico is world famous for sport fishing. Dorado, tuna, wahoo, marlin, sailfish, roosterfish, and parco. The Van Warmer Resorts make dreams come true at a price all can afford. Hotel Palmas de Cortez, Playa del Sol, and Hotel Punta Colorado have the biggest and best sport fishing fleet in all of Mexico. Call toll-free to 877-777-TUNA to find out how affordable world-class fishing can be. The finest resorts and the best boats in East Cape. Call 877-777-TUNA. 
If you like the show you are listening to right now, you can listen to it and many more just like it on Reno Viola Outdoors Radio. Fishing, hunting, boating, and the rest of the great outdoors 24-7, 365 on Reno Viola Outdoors Radio. Download the free Reno Viola's Outdoor Radio app or visit WRVORadio.com online to see the lineup and schedule. That's Reno Viola Outdoors Radio. And enjoy the great outdoors. Vagabundos del Mar Boat and Travel Club has 42 years experience introducing RVers to the joys of Mexico. Specializing in Baja, Vagabundos leads caravans and sponsors fishing tournaments, trailer boat cruises, and weekend getaways in Mexico and the West. Vagabundos del Mar also saves its 10,000 members tons of money on low-cost auto insurance. Stay up to date on Mexican travel with the printed newsletter online at vagabundos.com or call 800-474-BAJA. Great news. You can now watch Grizz's shows wherever you are, whenever you want, on all your mobile devices. Download the Grizz Channel app today. Enjoy an adventure during that boring wait at the doctor's office. Or while you're sitting at the airport waiting for your next flight. Just go to your phone, tablet, or even Kindle app store or iTunes and download it today. And when you get home, you can watch The Grizz on your big screen on Roku. Catch The Grizz next adventure today. It's time for you to take a real fun adventure. Join a hosted fishing adventure to Alaska or Baja with the staff of Fish Talk Radio. Real Fun Adventures can book you on any adventure you desire. Bring your fishing friends or meet new ones. Fish Talk Radio gets the best deals from our sponsors to give you the best possible price. Real Fun Trips are inclusive, easy, no-worry packages to the most popular fish grounds. Trips start around $600. Go to reelfunadventures.com. Welcome back to Fish Talk and Hunt Radio with Mike the Grizz and John Hennigan. This is John Hennigan in studio, and we're having a very informative, uh, fun conversation with Steve Holderman. I appreciate you taking the time out of your busy day. Uh, he works for the forestry as an uh, aquatic biologist, and we've been covering, gosh, all kinds of different uh, questions. But one real quick question, Stephen, is... Uh, your organization, you know, obviously you're underfunded as most anything of value, especially in California. Um, do you welcome or encourage volunteers to help you guys out? I really don't think a lot of our programs could get along very well without having volunteers. Um, you know, the Forest Service, like you said, we do have some um, challenges relative to our budget, but we have so many different opportunities for volunteers, whether it's replanting trees where we've had um, big fires or it's helping even do a kid's fishing day. We really welcome folks to help with those kinds of things. Mm-hmm. And how would they find out about that? The best way would be just to contact your local um National Forest, either online or drop in if you're lucky enough to be close by and just see how you can, um, if there's any way that you can help. I get probably five or six people that want to help me do 
surveys for fish and frogs and toads mm-hmm. and things like that every year. Yeah, well, we haven't even talked about those. <clears throat> but you know, we did mention there's a lot. To, and, you know, as a matter of fact, I think it was just yesterday I, or day before <clears throat> this reading of something. And uh, there is more um, plant and, say, animal life <clears throat> in our oceans than there is on land. That wouldn't surprise me, because if you get really, really small with some of those things, then, um, you know, when you were talking about those little tiny organisms we don't see, mm-hmm. I could see that as being a uh, true statement. Mm-hmm. So it, it is, and, you know, that's, you know, one of my, you know, I don't want to get political, but <clears throat> I just wish that the billions of dollars spent on trying to change or unchange the climate <clears throat> was, was spent on the oceans and uh, <clears throat> be much more beneficial to our environment. But uh, we won't go there right now. <laughs> the oceans have a big influence on our climate, though. Yes, yes. And the, uh, uh, you know, Chris, with, you know, the, the, what you do is, is, uh, is fantastic because there's a lot of things that you talked about today that most people don't know and understand. Some of the things about different species and what's native and what's not and, um, you know, what we need to do to protect them. I just have always loved going um, fishing, and our public lands offer everybody just a great opportunity to fish and fish for maybe some stalkers if you have kids that never have caught a fish before. But here, and even I grew up in the Cherokee National Forest, and I mean, they're just some great places to get away to, take your family camping. And it is public land. It's paid mm-hmm. for by all of us. Yeah. My salary is paid for by everybody, and it's just a wonderful resource that we all have. Well, that's that's to. one of the things the United States in particular has. Uh, I don't think there's another country in the world that has a national forest system like we do, where you can, you can you know, in most all of Europe, any place you want to go hunting or fishing is all private land. I mean, yeah. it's a gift. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, main thing is take advantage of it, and of course, take somebody with you. I mean, if you don't, always take it. If you don't, if you don't have any kids, borrow your neighbors. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they need to get. Or out. go to one of the homes. Yeah, I'll tell you what. You know, if, if most everybody can remember, um, you know, is uh, you know going fishing with your dad. Um, because that's you know it may not be seem important at the time, but you know you never forget it. It was my next-door neighbor when I was young, living in Louisiana, and it was going out to the Atchafalaya Basin and catching bluegill off of mm-hmm. this little boat. It was mm-hmm. just, it was addictive. Right. Well, Stephen, you've been fantastic. We really appreciate you coming on because it's rare that we have the expertise that you can share with us. And I, I think we've covered a lot of different ground, and we really appreciate you helping us out. You are listening to uh, Fish Hunt Talk Radio, and uh, we've got... Uh, Frank Selby and Stephen Holdman from the Aquatic Biologist from the Department of well, the, the Federal Fishing Game, right? Okay. 